Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, the kids, before they go, you, oh, you kids can help me out with a, with a question that I've got because I'm wondering down here, who's done an Easter egg hunt already? You've already done an Easter I'm not saying I'm not saying that we're going to do one now. Like we, no, 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 no. No, I just, I just need your advice. I need your advice. No, no, no. I need your advice. I need your hands up. Who here, who here, when you do your Easter egg hunt, there's a rule for the Easter egg hunt? Who has rules in here? You don't have any rules in your house, Lennox? No, it's just, so yours is a free-for-all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yours is. Chelsea, you've got some rules. What's your rule? You have to make the Easter eggs even. You have to bring them all back down. Carter, what's your rule? You have to share. Okay. And so quick, quick hand up. Who doesn't have a rule? Okay. Who does have a rule? It's good to know. Pretty even. You guys can sit back down. I just need to understand that. The reason being, and I don't know about you out here when you were kids, but uh, I, I'd also like to get a show of hands. Who, who, uh, who, who had a rule in their house? Who had no rules when it came to, yeah, see, kids, you know, 80s, 80s and onwards. Yeah, I think back to, back to my life when it was Easter egg hunt time, I, I came from two different sides of the family, right? There was, uh, whenever we had Easter with the cousins, it was just absolute chaos when it came to our Easter egg hunts. I mean, it looked, kind of resembled like the Boxing Day sales that you have. Where the kids would wait there and there would be elbows and there would be legs flying, gardens were trampled, people were getting black eyes. Anyone relate to this as a kid when it was at Easter? Uh, there would be black eyes, there would be blood noses, there would be wrestling, there would be deep injustice. You know, the bigger cousins would have all the big eggs and we were left for all the scraps like a lone seagull waiting for a chip. You know, it was just... It was, just a, it was just chaos out over here whenever we went to the cousins. On the other hand, in my family with the siblings, it was just a picture of beauty, out <laughs> of calm, lion and the lamb. It was... <laughs> why the difference? Well, the kids answered. The kids answered us why the difference because when it came to... My siblings and I, in our household at least, there was a rule. And the rule was everyone had to bring it back to the middle at the end. Did anyone have any one of those sorts of rules? You had to bring it back to the middle. And just like Carter, like your family, right? Everyone had to share. And so it meant uh, that as a result, everything was just calm and under control. Because the principle is this. How we act now is always determined by what we believe about the future, right? How we act now is determined by what we believe about the future. Hey, kids, you know the good news too, by the way, kids, uh, is that when you grow up, adults still go on Easter egg hunts, don't you, adults? You still do Easter egg hunts all the time. It's just that you're, you know, you don't, you don't go looking for eggs, you know, you go looking for things like careers and promotions and a love life and cars if you're really lucky, property, right? All, all the adults, they do Easter egg hunts with all these like amazing goodies. And so I'm wondering, adults, I need, your, I need your poll for the kids. And if your kids are with you, you can share with them this morning if they're watching in. When you do your big kid Easter egg hunt, we call that life. Is it chaos or is it calm? <laughs> we wish. <laughs> right. right, adults, we wish. We wish... 
We wish it could be calm. We wish it be, could be calm. Because uh, adults, and this is the trick, kids, wouldn't you agree, adults, that when you move out into the Easter egg hunt that, li- that, that, that is life, it does resemble a Boxing Day sale. <laughs> you know, there's scratching and there's kicking and there's punching and there's taking and there's grabbing uh, because adult Easter egg hunts operate by a certain rule. We call it a Darwinian theory, if you're from the scientific field. And that rule for the adult Easter egg hunt is survival of the fittest. See, you do do the Easter egg hunts. You know how this goes. Survival of the fittest, which works, works really well for, for people for a little while. And, uh, and so I guess it begs the question then, if your life is either chaos or calm, what rule do you live by? Survival of the fittest or something else? You know, Ernest Becker, in The Denial of Death, said in his book, there's never been a more prevalent thought in society than our society now that when we die, we rot. That seems to be the rule by which uh, a lot of people tend to live their life. And so, as a result, there's the kicking and the punching and the scratching. In fact, we don't think about the later... (laughs) All that often, do we, until we get to services like Easter? Or more importantly, we don't think about the later until a few eggs fall out of the basket. You know, it upsets the kids when a few get stolen or fallen out of the basket. And, and you know that, right? Once a few eggs fall out of your basket, once that someone steals something from you, where someone takes something from you. More importantly, when life steals something from you. You don't think about the later until there's a near miss. Or you get the letter from the doctor. Or at the worst of it, you lose someone that you care about. How you act now is always determined by what you believe about later. Uh, I, 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 learnt, I learnt this when I, I lost my mum. Uh, tw- it's almost 20 years ago now. And I remember uh, sitting in the psychologist's office processing the grief uh, of that loss and he said to me in that moment as we're working it through uh, he said you're kind of done here and I meant what do you what do you mean I'm done here and he said whatever your faith paradigm or the way that you look at the world it seemed to have healed you in a way that I don't see often in people because how you act now is determined by what you believe in later. And my mum, just before she passed away, said, Sam, you know, life hasn't been right and, and I haven't always gotten it right, but I, I went down to St Matt's Church down in Manly Corso and I, and I, and I found Jesus again. Uh, let, me, let me tell you about what we Christians, why that heals Christians, about when we believe about later right? Because there's, would it surprise you that uh, it wasn't a faith paradigm and it wasn't a story, it, it wasn't a bunch of things that are made up that gives me the conviction to be healed about the things that happen later. It's a fact. It's a fact. And, you know, I know some of you this morning might be saying, well, hang on, like, I, you know, I can't believe the Bible. And I certainly can't believe the church. And so, I, you know, I'm not sure if I can be the sort of person that is of faith. And can I say to you this morning that 
my hope and what I believe about later is actually not based on the Bible. And what I mean by this, I've got to be really careful because the theologians in here will be going, oh my goodness, I can't believe you just said that. No, let, let's be clear, I love the Bible. But the, but the Bible... The Bible captured the reason for my hope. The Bible informs my reason for the hope. The, the Bible was the thing that passed down my later, the thing that I believe in. But it captured, it, it, it's not the thing, it relayed the thing. And here's the thing. It says in John chapter 20, early on in the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance and so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples and, they, and she said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and they don't know where they've put him. You know, first and foremost, weird side note, she doesn't know where they've taken the body because nobody expected nobody. If you think that Christianity grew because, oh, these people are gullible. You know, the old ancients, they're gullible and the Christianity grew because they went, oh, wow, he's been resurrected. No, she said, they've taken his body, they've stolen the body. Nobody expected no body. She gets all worried about it. Then down in verse 11, she's outside of the tomb crying because nobody expected no body. And as she wept, she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, one at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she said, they've taken my Lord away. And she said, I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around, saw Jesus standing there. And she didn't realize it was Jesus. And he said, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And thinking it was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, and I reckon he kind of said it like this, Mary. Mary. And then, then we have the words that ignited a fire of love and compassion and power that has swept around the world and is still sweeping around today. You ready for the ignition spark of Christianity? She runs back and she says to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. There's the flint, the spark that kicked off everything that we are a part of today. And so that's why it stands to reason. That's where my hope is. My hope is not in the pages that are in that Bible, although the pages capture that. Christianity, we have to understand that something is wonderful this Easter, not because something's happening and we're doing funs and games. Easter is amazing because something happened. Empires fell socio-economic relationships changed, calendars changed, because something happened. If you're not a person of the faith, you know this, because we're in the year of 2023. That in and of itself is the evidence that something happened. And so, how you act now is determined by what you believe happens later. And so I guess I've got to ask you this morning, what do you think happens later? Life after death? Because your life and your actions hang on all of that. Whether or not you're the sort of person that's got the resources and the strength and the courage to face whatever it is that you are going to face as you walk through life, all of that is determined by that later. And so uh, I need some help from the kids this morning. 
to uh, hand out some goodies. Have we got any goodies, Kristen, for them? Kids, look, I figured since, since uh, you kids are always going to have so much chocolate, kids, can you help me out and can you hand all the adults an Easter egg this morning? Because, you know, I think they've all been too busy chasing the other Easter eggs, cars, property, all the rest of it. You know, let's just get back to basics here. And so as the, as the kiddies run around and give you a little bit of an Easter gift from Northside, even if you're not a person who likes chocolate, then just take one anyway, because I want you to remember that as you hold this egg, thank you, sweetie, <laughs> as we hold this egg this morning, the fact that you're sitting in a church in Crow's Nest, or you're watching online, the fact that we're here 2,000 years after this event here in Crow's Nest talking about this stuff, this in evidence of itself is that something happened. <laughs> and that our hope as Christians is not based on gullible faith or blind faith, but it's based on the fact that something happened. But more importantly, it's a great reminder and I would encourage you as you go to your Easter egg hunts today, if you're lucky enough to do that with family, what this says to us and the story of Easter says to us is that unlike the rest of life in their survival of fittest, Christians live with this particular rule. And don't we Christians? Hey, it's all coming back to the middle. <laughs> it's all coming back to the middle. When, when Mary says, I have seen the Lord, if it's a bodily resurrection... It means it's all coming back to the middle. And here's why. Because it means heaven is not a place where we float off as spirits in the sky. Heaven is not a place where it's clouds and harps. But heaven is a place where it's conversations and hugs. And I know for many of us that have had eggs fall out of the basket. And for many of us who have had losses and pains and stings in life. You're not after compensation for all that you've lost. You're after restoration. And if you're anything like me, the thing that gives me hope is that there will be a time and there will be a day in which I will throw my arms around my mum again. It's all coming back to the middle. And when we understand that, Christians, then maybe just maybe this week as you go out into the world that's so grabby, and so snarky, as you cop a few elbows, cop a few black eyes to the soul, you see the self-interest, you see the narkiness, you see the grabbing and the scratching, then maybe just maybe there's going to be a couple of hundred people who are calm. <laughs> because how you act now is determined by what you believe in later. And so it begs the question, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, yes, or no? Yes or no? Amen. Amen. And if you're not quite sure, please play fair this morning. I'm not trying to convince you to be a Christian. I'm just saying, please play fair. Please, on one hand, don't act if you don't believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead, that life is happy and that it's chirpy. And at, at the deeper level, please play fair. Please don't get angry at the injustices of the world. Please don't get angry at the losses in your life. Please don't get angry at the emotional damage that's been done by all that life has thrown at you because if Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, then we are merely just a coagulation of carbon atoms who have managed to pull themselves together a 
couple of million kilometers from the sun. One of the greatest enemies of Jesus at the time, and he was later named uh, one of the top 10 most influential people in history by Time magazine. The Apostle Paul said, If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then eat, drink, order the lobster, get hammered, do whatever you've got to do, because tomorrow we die and it's meaningless. But if Christ has been raised from the dead, then it's all coming back. And there's every reason for us to have hope this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this reality as we sing and as we've got eggs in our hands and half melted and as parents deal with sugar highs and all of uh, the fun and the craziness and, uh, and all the love that many of us will experience on this wonderful day. I pray that uh, by your spirit, all of us, have been lifted up into the simple but profound reality of what it is that we are considering today. That people come back from the dead. And so wherever we sit in the faith spectrum this morning, I pray that each of us uh, would have the diligence and the gumption and the courage to grid our present behaviours against that reality. It means this morning that there are people who are not quite sure that are acting way too happy in this room. <laughs> they haven't thought out the realities of the paradigm of nothingness on the other side of death. There should be nothing to smile about. On the other end, I know this all too well, there are some of us Christians here that are way too grumpy, <laughs> way too scared way too anxious for people who live in the light of the resurrection. Thank you for this fact and what we celebrate today. In Jesus' mighty name. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.